Jesus, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are a great God. Hallelujah. You are the only one who is worthy of our praises this morning, Lord. You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are the promise keeper. You are the light in our darkness situation. Hallelujah. This morning we thank you, Lord. For we have been given the privilege to come to you and call you Abba Father. This morning we seek your guidance, Lord. We seek your face, Lord. Talk to us, Lord. You come at your service, the service in your hands, Lord. You come at your people in your hands, Lord. This morning as we sit before you with your word, we pray that you will talk to us, Lord. We pray that the preacher and your people together will be blessed. And we'll be able to yield ourselves before the voice of God. That the Holy Spirit will tend to us in a merciful way this morning, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We pray that our God, Christ alone, will be lifted up this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Before you sit down, I want you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now I want you to turn with me to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 25, the first two verses. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehoadin. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. Please be seated. This morning... For our brief meditation with the word, I have chosen a title, Loving the Lord with All Your Heart. If I ask you this morning to take your finger and point at yourself, where would you point it to? Would you say, this way? Saying that, I, this is me. It is partially true that your brain represents you. But you would never say that you will love with all your brains. 
I am a kidney doctor and I would never say that I love somebody with my two kidneys. You would never say, even though it's one of the largest internal organs in the body, I live you, I love you with my liver either. Yes, lungs are extremely important to us, but we don't say that I love you with my two lungs. We breathe every moment with it, but we don't say that. But when you and I want to say that I love somebody, you say this, I love you with all my heart. Don't you or I am the only one who would do that? When we are talking about that aspect of ourselves, that is most central to our person. As to who we are, and, we want, and what we want to bring to life, we are talking about our heart. And speaking of heart, we are not really talking about that myocardial tissue that is pumping 70 sometimes a minute since our birth until we die. Even though this pump that powers our physical body makes a fine analogy for the deeper aspects of our loving, our living. When the Bible talks about heart, it is talking about a spiritual pump, which is at the very center of each of us. It is a core set of values, our convictions, our beliefs, our motivations that make us who we are. So when I talk about my heart, it represents a lot of things that I am. Our heart, it is involved in our convictions, the way we prioritize our things. We make decisions and the way we conduct our conversations. Our heart, it dictates all our relationships. It is an integral part in all our choices that we make. Our heart, we live, we parent, we respond, we romance, we react, we confront, we instruct, we manage, and we love from our heart. It is the hub that intersects everything that goes on in our lives. That is why our heart is so important to God. He is greatly concerned about our heart. It is the heart that decides where, whether we are really genuine, like King David was, or we are just superficial like the Pharisees of the times of Jesus. So the Bible says, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the well of life. We guard things that are precious to us, don't we? We don't guard worthless things. So what do we guard our hearts against? 
because there is another person who is also interested in our heart. Apostle Peter is warning us in 1 Peter chapter 5, he's warning us against our enemy, the adversary, who is prancing around, is prowling around. The devil, he wants to devour us like a lion wants to devour his prey. He also is trying to be in control of our life. That is why we are warned to guard our hearts. Hallelujah. When the Christians say that we are in a spiritual warfare, we are in fact saying that there is a battle against our hearts. The devil wants to control our heart as much as God wants to be in control of our heart. Let us think about it for a moment. The devil is fine with us to be in this worship service today as long as you are not fully devoted to God. The devil wants us to be named as Christians but our hearts be totally out of tune with the living God. The devil is okay with our Christian ministries but our hearts be drawn towards power, politics, positions, and profits. The devil is fine with us going through the motions of everything that we do. As long as our hearts are out of tune with God. Two brothers went to worship. Their parents were probably thrilled about the fact that they went to worship. Whose parents wouldn't? Because when two youngsters go to worship on their own, they will, whose, which parent doesn't like it? But we read that the Lord was pleased with one, and the other was rejected. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it says, God was pleased with Abel and his sacrifice. God looked at Abel and he realized that his heart was in tune with him. And sacrifice came later. He was pleased with God, with Abel and Abel's sacrifice. And God looked at Cain and his heart. He could not see anything that was pleasing in Cain's life. In spite of the fact that he probably brought a pretty decent sacrifice. God could not accept it and be pleased with it. God is a God who deals with our hearts. We can fool men by the display of our doings. By the display of our piety. We can fool our pastor. We can fool the brother or the sister that's sitting next to us. 
We can fool the entire world for some time. But the Lord, you just can't fool him. He looks at your heart. He looks at your desires. He looks at our intentions. He looks at our convictions and our motivations. Do you this morning have a heart that loves the Lord with all your strength and with all your power? Let me also add to that. If any of us think today that you one day can love the Lord on our own with all our strength, we are dead wrong. Because it is humanly impossible to love God with all of our strength. We really need God's help to love him. You know, love is not just an emotion only. This morning we discussed that in our Sunday school class. It's a very powerful force with definite expressions. Why do we love God? We love God because God first loved us. How did he love us? Just showing, telling you, I love you? He didn't. John 3.16 says, God so loved. So, I don't know how many O's that so has. God so loved her that he gave his only begotten son. Love is something that moves. It's a dynamic force. God demonstrated his love by giving us his son to die on the cross for us in our desperate situations. So we know love is not just an emotion. It is a giving. It is a sacrificial giving for us to love God the way he wants us to love him. We cannot do our own. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we just can't love God. In John 14, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to us to counsel us, to make us obey his commands, to make us love God as he wants us to love him. Because the one who loves God will obey his commands. You know, we can't obey God on our own. Because our sinful carnal nature is against God. Sin does not like God. We are in a sinful nature. Hallelujah. So let me tell you, loving God should not ever be considered as a struggle in our human life. Well, if we trust in ourselves and our own strength, it is a struggle which is going to fail miserably. We are going to fail in that struggle. But we are going to trust God to love him back. We are going to trust the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one that walks with us and holds our hands to help us to love him back. Our flesh caters to sinful desires. Flesh cannot love God back. Hallelujah. Loving God should be the result 
of a heart completely surrendered to him. Hallelujah. It should come out of, it should be the result of a heart that is hungry and thirsty for the voice of God. It can happen only when we yield in humility to the voice of God to obey him completely. God's word is not written for nothing. It is written so that we will be getting instructions to live by. This morning, with that introduction, I want to present to you the dangers of a heart that is not fully surrendered to the Lord. The dangers of deception in Christian life. It is best illustrated by four chapters in the Bible. Four generations of one family. I really shudder at this at the preaching of this message today. This family was a very powerful family. It was the royal family that took the lineage from King David. The story starts in Second Chronicles chapter twenty five verse. One and two. Can you give me the second slide, please? It goes like this. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehovahdin. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was, listen to that. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. King Amaziah. First character that I want to bring to you today. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was a great king. He did many things that were apparently pleasing to God. From the outside, you could look at Amaziah and said, Wow, this is a man of God that God placed in the right place. He had increased the military power of that nation, but he did not love the Lord with all his heart. As I said before, you can go through the motions of religiosities without being religious. You can go through the motions of worships without having a heart sold out to God. Without a relationship with God. Deception and duplicity are powerful tactics that the devil uses to make his way into the people of God. Listen to Elijah. He's lamenting to the people of Israel. How long will you ride in two canoes? One, ca one leg here and the other one in here. How long? With one foot in each. When seen from one side, you are in the right canoe. When you are seen from the left side, 
You are in the left canoe. You show great spiritual display during your spiritual worship. What happens after that? What happens Monday through Saturday? Hallelujah. What do you do Monday through Saturday when you are not here? Hallelujah. Who do you spend your time with when you are not in church? Your lifestyle of criticizing the men and people of God. Do you do that? Accusing others of your problems? Do you curse? Do you use blasphemy? What is the topic of your discussion when you are not in church? You don't need to answer me, but I just want to bring it to your attention today. And you claim to love God? What, how many WhatsApp groups do you have that you cannot share with the people of God? There's a danger in what you're doing. Without you noticing, something is happening. You know what's happening? You know what's happening? Your next generation is watching you. Your two-year-old, your five-year-old, your 15-year-old, your 20-year-old, your 30-year-old, your 40-year-old, they're watching you. They're closely watching you. They have concluded something. They have concluded that your spirituality is fake. They have concluded that you are all deception. You speak very powerfully, but you don't speak what you, you don't show what you speak in your lifestyle. You have powerful emotions, but you have no spirit. You lead worship so powerfully, but for you it's just a performance. You have great excitement, but you have absolutely no experience. You have the facade, but you don't have the fear of God. We'll come back to get you. We'll come back to get you. What, to have, what happened to Messiah's family? I told you it's a scary story. Flip the pages. Come to the next, very next chapter. When you get home, read 2 Corinthians 25, 26, 27, and 28. The stories are, I don't have the time to dwell on the stories too long. But, Go to Second Chronicles, chapter 26, verse 16. Can somebody read it loud, please? This is about 
Amaziah's son, King Uzziah. A very powerful king. Somebody who reigned on the throne, from the throne of David for 50-some years. Has made the country so popular, so powerful, and a very strong nation. After Uzziah, Uzziah became powerful. His pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. And he entered into the temple. To the place where only priests were allowed. Where Levites were only allowed. To burn incense on the altar of incense. A very powerful king. But he was unfaithful to God. Look where it started. Started with a father who was not fully devoted in loving to God. When it came to his son, his son is somebody who takes holy things as ordinary things. He considers godly things, divine things as just garden variety stuff. The run of the mill stuff. He entered the temple of the Lord on his own and burned incense. He did forbidden things. He treated the holy objects as ordinary. You know why? He saw no difference between the ordinary and the holy things. He became a leper. That's a different story. I don't, I'm not planning on going there. He has concluded that everything is just a routine. He has grown up seeing that in his father. Everything is just a routine. There's no life in it. A ritual. There's no, absolutely no life in any of these things. If they can do it, I can do it too. A generation without the fear of God. If the priest can do it, I can do it too. After all, I am the king and I am bigger than the king. I am more powerful than the king, of, than the priest and the prophets. When David became king, the ark of God was in the family of Abinadab. His son Uzzah was slain because God killed him. Usa grabbed the ark impulsively during its transport to the temple on a cart. You know, it had been sitting in his house for 40 some years. It was just a dust covered piece of furniture that this boy grew up seeing. And he didn't think of it as anything different. So when it was, when it tipped over, he touched it, thinking that it was just another piece of stuff. And God's judgment was immediate. King Bathsheba, son of King Nebuchadnezzar, was throwing a party to impress upon his royal guest. You know what he did? He ordered that the golden goblets that he, his father brought from the temple in Jerusalem be brought and his defiled wine be served in those goblets. You know what happened. 
a handwriting on the world on the wall many many thakil foreseen god's judgment was immediate listen i'm not here to evoke physical fear in anybody to, that is listening to me but if our children fail to see genuine fear of god in us they will also lose the fear of god it is contagious if your faith is contagious your lack of fear of god is also contagious they will treat divine things as ordinary things they will conclude that what you and i profess to experience is absolute fraud for them singing or worshiping is a matter of just showing talents for them preaching is because they have eloquence and the knowledge and the access to it for them giving to the work of god is because they have money for them going to the missions is because they want to look cool there is no passion there is no love to god there is no vision there is absolutely no surrender and there is no relationship to god what happens if you keep doing that i'm not done let's go on can somebody read from second chronicles chapter 27 verse 2 27 the next verse can somebody read loudly please again listen to what he said he did what was right in the eyes of the lord he did things so right in the eyes of the lord then uh-huh wow look at the next thing that said he did what was right in the eyes of the lord but he did not enter the house of god did you see what's happening here did you see the graduation he did many things he was not an evil person apparently he was a great king he did things that god commanded even for the temple of god this man did lot of things king jotham that's his name king jotham but he didn't stay he didn't go into the temple he didn't enter into the temple i have nothing to do with this temple i have nothing to do with this god i don't want your membership i don't want your favors either maybe it was good for my parents but i have nothing to do with it brothers and sisters i share it with great agony this morning i have a lot of fear when i say this our rat races in our churches our superficial piety our apathy towards godly things our ra- lack of respect for godly leadership 
our conspiracies our struggle for power and positions they are all chasing our children away from this temple and god we are creating in the next generation without god we are chasing them away from the living god how would you feel if your children refuse to worship this god it is scary they should see the presence of god in our lives they should see the fear of god in our lives they should see that we are genuine when we worship if they don't they will forsake everything that we paid a very high price for everything that we believe they will ridicule and what happens next you thought that was terrible you thought not entering the temple of god was horrible see what his son does his son's name is king ahaz a great king he was the first person who is mentioned to have invented a sundial a clock a mechanical clock it's mentioned in second kings chapter 20 if you don't want to go to that but read for me second kings second chronicles chapter 28 22 onwards this man also was a great king did a lot of good things for people of god and also the country what happened next listen to this now other people usually when they get sick when they are in trouble they seek god this guy didn't even do that when he was in trouble he blasphemed god he turned against god he did, he said everything bad against god yeah uh huh uh huh listen to this okay listen to this with fear read that yes uh huh uh huh he started sacrificing to all the other gods even the gods of his enemies the regional the national the territorial gods he started and going because they defeated me so i had to go and appease those gods king of judah lineage of david worshiping and bowing himself down before the idols of the nations not done not done keep reading mm. read verse 24 my dear sister ah ah listen to that he shut up the doors of the temple of god Did you hear that? Did you hear that? He shut the doors of the temple of God. For him there is no difference between this temple and the temple of Baal and the temple of the other people. For him there is no difference. It's all the same. All religions are the same. We all worship the same God. They are all fake. 
I can go there and you go there. We are the same. I can worship where I want. If you want to worship there, you go and worship there. I will go, go there. I can enter into relationships with whom I want. It doesn't matter who she is or who he is. It doesn't matter. We are all humans. Everyone is the same. All religions lead to the same place. This is catastrophic. This is catastrophic. It is written for us to be cautious. It is written for us to learn wisdom. And where did it start? It started with a forefather who did not love the Lord with all his heart. Hallelujah. A king who failed to live the Lord, love the Lord with all his heart. That is why Jesus reiterated. I'm going to finish in the next couple of minutes. In Matthew 22, verse 37, 38. This morning we discussed that in our Sunday school class. An expert in law came on us. Expert in law, a consultant in the law. A Harvard graduate of those times. Harvard Law School, he came out. And asked Jesus. Jesus, there are ten commandments. Which is the greatest commandment? He was actually going to trap him. You know what Jesus said? Love the Lord. With all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind. Jesus was not showing that man has three parts there. What Jesus was telling him was if there is any part of you that is there Love the Lord with that part. If there is any personality of you that is involved anywhere, love God with that personality. Don't leave anything out in loving God. Your worship should come from that. Your sacrifices should come from that. Your giving should come from that. Your relationship should come from that. Your choices from that. Your decisions from that. Your everything should come from your loving God. That's the only way our generation can continue to have a relationship with God. Without that, brothers and sisters, my young brothers and sisters also included, without that, if we don't love our God, your faith is useless. Your worship is worthless. Your preachings are powerless. Your Christian race is meaningless. Your mission trips are useless. And your giving to the Lord is a waste. We must have our posterity worship with us here and be with us in heaven. If you truly believe that, start it. Start to love your God with all your heart. Hallelujah. 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 Love your God with all your heart. Do everything out of that love. Worship from that love. Preach from that love. Serve from that love. Give from that love. Go to the missions with that love. Surrender yourself to God 
in that love, may the Lord continue to bless us and use us powerfully because we are a people who love the Lord with all our heart, all our strength, and all our might. May the Lord.